Hello and welcome to the Lifehouse Beloved Podcast. Uh, my name is Crystal Sheck and I'm joined here again by Lena Hobson. Hello! And Debbie Singh. Hello! And we are talking about the Word of God and how awesome it is in our lives. Uh, last podcast, we ended off by talking about um, our the quote from an article by Kristen, Kristen Fletcher um, about houses, about homes. Um, I'm going to get Deb to read that quote again for you. Okay, so it's it's kind of bits of an an article all joined together. So if it doesn't make flowing sense, but there's still really good points in here. Homes are supposed to have level floors, flat walls, and plumb ceilings. So crookedness can be a bit more problematic. As structures age, they often shift or settle. That shows up as a dip in the floor, a sag in a window casing, a slope in a ceiling, or cracks in the wall. It can be so subtle that a homeowner will only notice a wobble in a table or dramatic enough that a floor level changes by several inches from one end of the house to the other. The key to dealing with a home that has settled is to come to terms with how much slant you are willing to live with. If the answer is little to none, renovations, possibly major, can, can level out of plumb surfaces. If the answer is some, there are ways to camouflage a home's imperfections. For homeowners without the budget or desire for far-reaching renovations, much can be done to diminish the appearance of tilts and dips in a wall, in walls, ceilings and floors. It's, it's like choosing clothing, sorry, it's like choosing clothes, said interior designer Nan Kingsley of Nan Kingsley Designs in Alexandra. Alexandria, I hope I'm reading that right. You emphasise the positive and de-emphasise the negative. Kelly and Paul chose to renovate. This extensive work on their 100-year-old house allowed them to address some of its sloping floors and ceilings and provided a solution to their more pressing need for a family-friendly layout. We're going to look at some of these statements again. So do you want to start with one of those statements, Crystal? So the key... Wait. Homes are supposed to be... Yeah. So, homes are supposed to have level floors, flat walls, and plumb ceilings, so crookedness can be a bit more problematic. Build by hearing and doing. The Word of God is our plumb line. It is the standard against which we need to lay our floor or foundation and build up the walls of our lives. Lena spoke about this in the last podcast, and it was, um, it was really good in that we need... To have that solid foundation so that when things fall down around us because we've been building it in the wrong way or we've been building on well we've been sliding off the foundation onto the sand Jesus is still there he's still waiting for us to come back he's still that solid foundation that solidness that we need to come back to and then we need to build up by using what he's given us, the tools that he's given us, mm. which is the word, to build up those walls again. Um, the next part of that said, the key to dealing with a home that is settled is to come to terms with how much slant you're willing to live with. If the answer is little to none, renovations, possibly major, can level out of plumb surfaces. 
If the answer is some, there are ways to camouflage a home's imperfections. I actually found this part really interesting <laughs> to think about. Because how much are we willing to live with to sweep under the carpet, you know? Mm. How much of that are we willing to do? Are we camouflaging or ignoring issues in our lives, in our character, or are we, as disciples, allowing God the right to change us? Yeah. Well, I think that's important because, as we've talked about before, like as we grow older, we learn to camouflage our sin into more socially acceptable mm. norms. For example, yeah. like a person who is like strives can be really well rewarded by the world because yeah. they're high achievers, but they're putting their trust and approval in the things of the world. Mm. Yeah. So, like for example, for me, if I'm striving, I could be working really hard at church work, which makes me look awesome because I'm so committed, guys. Yeah. But God knows if I'm trying to do that, if I'm, I'm striving, I'm just fear of man, that's seeking man's approval. Mm. Yeah. That's not the right thing, wrong motive. Yeah. So it's God looks at the heart and the motive too and not just what we're doing. So I have to deal with that sinful heart attitude and that motive. And then I can do the same things, mm. but it's because I'm doing it out of a desire to please God and love. Yeah. And out of love for God, not fear of man. Mm. Um, so I think that's really to think about like what are the ways we're camouflaging things to make them look good and look okay mm. or like hiding things because you don't want to face them like you know shoving too much in the fridge and like yeah. shutting the door and just like I will not open that again yeah yeah mm. or like you know kids cleaning their rooms you know wake up yeah yeah um cleaning yeah <laughs> <laughs> um I I want to go back to how much are we willing to live with and to sweep under the carpet? I don't know if you've ever tried to walk on a carpet <laughs> that has had stuff just shoved underneath it or you've, you know, one of the kids has lost a piece of Lego under there or who knows what, you know, sand and whatever gets tipped out on shoes. I always find I trip over it. Mm. And not everyone else seems to be able to walk over it fine. Mm. but I trip over it and it's because I'm not used to it being there now if you're continuously sweeping stuff under the carpet it's going to get bigger and bigger yeah. and you're going to end up having I don't know accident after accident tripping mm. over this thing so sp spiritually speaking if you're sweeping those things under the carpet and hiding things the more it's going to bubble up mm. the more it's going to pop out of your life it's yeah. going to you know, like I said in the previous podcast, you're going to have those outbursts of old behavior and, and that, you know, the... It'll boil yeah, over somewhere. All yeah. those things will yeah. come out in some way, some form. Yeah. In some... <laughs> well, probably the inopportune least, moment. The yeah. least <laughs> opportune moment in your life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> where things are just going to come out and you're like, where did that come from? Mm. And, you know, I, I know that that was a thing for me. And, you know, having to clean out that carpet and air it out, let people know my mm. sin. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Letting people know my shame. How am I supposed to do that? Yeah. And when I, I mean, even if it's at this point just to God, mm. it's so important. But also to allow friends in to be able to pull you up on those old behaviors and to continuously point you in the right direction mm. 
so that you can learn to step towards God instead of stepping it, you know, shoving it under the carpet mm. again. Alrighty, so for homeowners without the budget or the desire for far-reaching renovations, much can be done to diminish the appearance of tilts and dips in walls, ceilings and floors. It's like choosing clothes. So that the interior designer Nan Kingsley of Nan Kingsley Designs, you emphasise the positive and de-emphasise the negative. Mm-hmm. So think about this, are you dressing up or plastering over? You know, are you using props like addictions to de-emphasise or draw attention away from your problem? Mm-hmm. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit in for some far-reaching renovations? Well, it's so easy to get into those addictions, but they're not really addictions. You know, I'm being yeah, sarcastic when I say it. Yeah. Because you just enjoy it a little bit. Yeah, like, you know, I, I'm just going to, you know, play a couple of games on my phone or on my iPad or, just you know, I'm just going to chill out. You know, it's yeah. not an addiction. I'm not I'm not running away from anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm being sarcastic because I know that I can yeah. sometimes hide in, in like, you know, just... Go to a candy crush support group. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was wise. I was wise enough to get rid of that game and just download a different game altogether. Yeah. It's exactly the same premise. It just yeah, it's not Candy Crush. <laughs> but it is. I I know. Yeah. I have to. I and even like since even doing you know all podcast you know like. And all these things come up and like I might take five minutes to sit down and do it. And then I'm like, oh, man, I feel bad doing this now. <laughs> like yeah. just like, okay, I've got five minutes, you know, the boys are just chilling on, on some games and so I'll just chill on some games and we're just, you know, and it's not like a major thing, but it's like, oh, I'll just do this. and But, yeah, I've had to watch it. You do have to watch it. But, yeah. you know, but the, seriously, though, there are some times that they can become addictions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just fully phone yeah. can be a complete, you know, Facebook and all those things can just steal so much of your time, especially when you're trying to hide. Yeah. You know, um, there's so many things out there that you can get lost in. Yeah. Um, and even to the point, like, I remember using housework as a hiding place. Oh, yeah. Because... I haven't quite got there yet. <laughs> I don't mind doing a little bit of housework, but I haven't hidden behind it yet. <laughs> I, I know I have. I've been like, you know, that, that person who's continuously cleaning up and, you know, you've got people around and you're just like, I don't want to, I don't want them to see how bad I am right now. So I'm just going to go clean the kitchen and make sure there's toilet paper and, you know, just you're taking yourself away from the mm. relationship. Yep. And, and, yeah, withdrawing from relationship. Yeah. Um, I, we've talked about this. Like, so many of us learn these defensive mechanisms early on in life, and the form can change, but it's it's the same thing. It just kind of lies short yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. different. You know, um, like, and some of us, you know, we can be we're, – we're humans. We can be addicted to anything. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes we're addicted to – Things, physical things, like maybe we're addicted to being on our phone mm. or addicted to having the nicest clothes, things like that. But we can also be addicted to, you know, being the best, getting the best yeah. grades, yeah. getting the best jobs at work, you know, doing the best at work or knowing the most. Some people have to know the most because they get their security in knowledge. Yeah. 
Um, you know, or they want to be, be that everyone's best friend. They want to be the person that everyone turns to as the shoulder to cry on. You know, there's so many things that we can be addicted to and put instead of God and we get our approval and affirmation from doing those things mm. rather than turning to the God who created us. Um, yeah, there are just so many things that we can be addicted to and, and hide behind you, keeping ourselves busy, um, all those sorts of things. And God sees through all of it. He knows when we're seeking the approval of man. He knows when we're running from him. Yeah. What we need to ask ourselves is, Look hard at what are you doing, what are you saying, what are you thinking, and ask yourself why. Yeah. Mm. Because God is not just interested in what you're doing. He's also interested in your heart, the motive, the attitudes of your heart. God sees all that, and he wants us to give all of ourselves to him. Not just what we do, but the inner core, the inner recesses of our heart to give God, to give completely over to God. Yeah. So the next one is um, Kelly and Paul chose to renovate. The extensive work on their 100-year-old house allowed them to address some of its sloping floors and ceilings and provided a solution to their more pressing need for a family-friendly layout. As you allow or apply the word to your life, it will do its work in you because it is truth and life and he who promises is faithful, and this will improve all of your other significant relationships as well. Mm. Mm, we, we touched on that before too, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. Well, we touched on the whole, you know, how it can go the opposite, you know, when, mm. you, when things are not going so great. But I know that my house is generally more joyful if me, not even me and Barry, but if I am building my relationship with God mm. because I am the one who influences the house. And, you know, I've talked with, Carol, um, yeah, I've talked with Carolyn about this and the influence in the house is the person who's there the most. Mm. And that's me. And I know that if I am the atmosphere, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. If I'm if I'm the one that's doing it, you know, mm. life there mm. all the time, then I need to be the one that's doing the right thing. I you know, have been guilty of um, waiting for Barry to to invite me to pray or to you know, I'm waiting for him to step up and do it. And, and it's like, well, I need to take responsibility like, and do it for myself mm. so that the rest of my house mm. will see that I'm doing it and they will want to follow suit. So we're all doing the right thing and we're yeah. all, you know, building that foundation. Mm. When... Pressure and storms come, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to expose our foundation. If pressure and storms dislodge our faith, so notice I didn't say test your faith, but dislodge, mm. which can send you into doubt, anxiety, hopelessness, despair. 
then I would suggest that you need to look at your foundation and what you're building. So, you know, I'll, I'll just say that again. When pressure and storms come, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to expose our foundation if pressure and storms dislodge our faith. So if you have found yourself in a storm or in pressure and your faith has been moved, not in a positive way, then you need to allow the Holy Spirit to expose what your foundation is. You really need to look hard at what your foundation mm. is. So allow God to take down the building if needs be and begin to build correctly by hearing and doing. This means aligning your thoughts, attitudes and behaviours with what his word says these should be. Remember the knowledge of and application of the word. The word of God is your weapon and defence against deception, including self-deception. So check your foundation and continue building on Jesus Christ as you hear and put into practice his words. We'll now look at how the word of God works in us, why the Bible says it's alive and active. So we're going to read Hebrews 4, 12 and 13 in the Amplified. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give an account with whom we have to give account. So listen now to the Matthew Henry commentary on these two verses. The Holy Scriptures are the word of God. When God sets its home by his spirit, it convinces powerfully, converts powerfully and comforts powerfully. It makes a soul that has long been proud to be humble and a perverse spirit to be meek and obedient. Sinful habits that are become that are become as it were natural to the soul and rooted deeply in it are separated and cut off by the sword it will discover to men their thoughts and purposes the vileness of many the bad principles they are moved by the sinful ends they act to the word will show the sinner all that is in his heart let us hold fast to the doctrines of christian faith in our heads its enlivening principles in our hearts, the open profession of it on our lips and be subjected to it in our lives. So we're going to look bit by bit at the two verses in Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing and effective. It's like that word energetic. Mm. The word of God is powerful, energetic. Mm. Mm. Um, so it's a living word. You can pick that up from those words. It's a living word. So you know what amazes me is like this was written thousands of years ago but still has the ability to bring conviction. Mm. To those who believe, it is able to effectively 
work. Yeah. Mm. So teaching you something new every time you delve in. And you don't you find that like you read a scripture and you understand it and over time as you understand the context a bit better, like you, it gets richer and richer the more mm-hmm. you get into mm. the word. And it's not just like I've read it one time, now I know it. Yeah. Good, but it's just, there's just depths. Like you discover this word has this meaning and the scripture also means and it's like yeah. as you delve into the word it actually becomes richer. Um, so I think that's the beauty of it. Yes, able to bring in that conviction. And you can see, sorry. No, keep going. You can see the active and living power of the word when we apply it to our wrong thinking. And that's Mm -hmm. where you can see that it is a word that is alive. Um, You know, Romans encourages us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. As in when we apply the truth of the word to our mind, to our thinking, we transform our behaviour. So if the Bible was this dead thing, it would have no power to transform us. Mm. But when we apply it to our thinking, we can actually transform our lives. Mm. Um, you know, I just think of some of the scriptures I've used to deal with things in my life. So I've dealt with criticism by applying certain scriptures to my thinking, which in turn changes how I speak. Mm. So like look at Isaiah 50 verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. To know the word that sustains the weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Dealt with um, insecurity by applying Romans 8.15. The spirit you receive does not make you slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him you cry, Abba, Father. Fear a man. Fear a man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Mm-hmm. Um, or 2 Timothy, the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Okay, so the word of God is living and active. By telling myself these truths every time I have that negative thinking, mm-hmm. the hurtful situations come up, the trials come, I've trained and continue to train myself to hang on to the truth of the word rather than the lies of Satan, and that transforms my behaviour, from sinful behaviour to Christ-like. That is the power of this living word. Soapbox. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're done. Amen, sister. I'm like, it's so true. There's nothing I can add to that. Like, I'm like, what, what else can I say? You know, like... The word of God is living and active and full of power. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and it works through you. Yeah. Yep. So the next line, it is sharper than any two-edged sword penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Else want to talk there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. I know that for me, I've had moments where I've been trying to overcome sin in my own strength, mm. Mm. and I've I've gone to the Bible and I've gone, okay, God, I can't do this on my own. Obviously, I need you. So can you like, I don't know. Let's just open the Bible and see where it leads. And it straight up reads me. Like, it reads me. Not me read it. It 
I find something in amongst the scripture that I've opened up to and it, it just pops at me and I'm like, oh, that's what I needed. That's what I needed and I needed you to show it to me and I'm, you know, repent and you go through all those, um, those, uh, the confess, repent, you know, that whole thing. But it knows where I'm at. Mm. It knows, he knows, he knows mm. where I'm at because he can see it. He can see what I'm dealing with. He can see what I'm going through. And, you know, I always picture him when I have those moments and I come out of it the other side and, I, and I'm just like, I'm so sorry, God, I didn't come to you earlier. I was, you know, I always look back and I, and I see him kind of standing there going, just open it. Open the book. I'm going to show you. Come on, just do it. And, and I'm still sitting there going, how can I, you know, how can I stop myself from being like this person that I hate? And it's like he's standing there yelling at me. And because of the sin issue, it's put this block between mm. him and I. And I can't hear what he's saying. And he's just like, just open the word. Just open the word. Come on. I'm, I'm planning this. Come on. And, you know, and I, I still do it. Even now, you know, sometimes when I slip back into those behaviors and it takes me a while and I go through the same process, it's like, oh, come on. When are you going to learn this lesson? Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, you know, what you were saying just then, Crystal, um, that similar thing has happened in my house where my six-year-old, he will, I can often hear him in the other room getting frustrated at trying to do something. Like even just this afternoon, um, he was, he'd just been taught how to tie his shoelaces today for the very first time. He was very excited to be practicing this new art but he was getting very frustrated with it and he got a knot in it and he's like mum I've got a knot and um, I was in the other room and I said okay we'll bring it here and I'll fix it for you he's like no you come here and fix it and I'm like no you come here and I'll fix it and quite often we'll have this thing you know you come to me and he just doesn't want to come to me because he's doing something else at the same time and he doesn't want to come to the different room and doesn't want to come to me to get the help that he could easily get. Yeah. And I think that's so often like we do the same thing to God. We're like, God, I've got this problem. Yeah. And he's like, okay, what do you want me to do about it? You know, like he wants us yeah. to, to talk to him and say, okay, and come to him and, and say, this is my problem and I need to give it to you. And we can't give it to him unless we come to him. So, mm. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, there's a constable writes in his commentary that the sword, so it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, it was like a small, like bony knife that cooks used to cut up meat, and it, in its double-edged form, it was a symbol of judges and magistrates in the Roman world. So it illustrated the power of those officials to turn both ways to get to the bottom of the case. And I just think that's a really great description of how God views our heart and sin. So he doesn't just look at the outside behaviour but cuts right through to the heart of the matter. Like, why are you really doing this? Um, you know, we, God looks at the heart. He doesn't just look at what we're doing but why we're doing it. So... You know, our behaviour, maybe it looks great on the outside, but God knows it can come from a sinful attitude. Um, 
you know, maybe it comes from a, a heart that's full of fear of man, that's distrust, distrusting the heart of God. Um, and it's only once we deal with these sinful attitudes um, behind what we're doing and begin to retrain our thinking that we can operate, um, you know, operate doing things that please our Father because we're doing it from the right attitude. Mm. Yeah. So we'll move on to the next part, which is, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. But all things are open and exposed and revealed to the eyes of him with whom we have to give account. I love that sometimes we actually think that we are hidden from God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't love that, but how often do we think that? Yeah. You know, we're like, oh, I'll just do this. No one can see me. And we're like, oh, yeah. We'll be all good, you know. Like, yeah. and then when we really think about it, we're like, actually, no, we're not hidden from God at all, you know. Especially in those times when you think, oh, I'll just quickly do this, no one can see, yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And we don't take into account that God is always, yeah, always able to see us, you know. And we're exposed, yeah, yeah. So there's like nowhere we can hide, no, from God, seeing through everything, all the time, yeah, yeah. Um, I have, um, there is no thought, no action, no person that can hide from God. Just ask Jonah. Yeah. He was yeah. inside a belly of a whale and no one knew he was there except for God. You know, I'm looking forward to actually asking questions of the people who are in heaven. Like, what were you thinking? <laughs> At that point in time, what were you actually thinking? <laughs> And I'm sure other people will be doing the same of me, yeah. you know. Did you really think that was hidden? Like, you know, what? Yeah. yeah. We'll be having a good old laugh about it. Yeah. <laughs> so the Bible warns us against um, just hearing or just reading the word. We're not doing as it says, so not applying it to your life. And we said at the start of the series that it's the knowledge and the application of the Word of God. That is our weapon and defense against deception. Yeah. And it's only by applying the Word to our lives that we actually begin to ch- change and grow. If you look at James 1, verse 21 to 25 in the Amplified, it says, So get rid of all uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness, and with a humble spirit receive the Word of God, which is implanted, actually rooted in your heart, which is able to save your souls. But prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God, God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favoured by God in what he does in the life of obedience. Alright, so let's just talk about what this verse means. You know, what being a doer, not just a hearer, looks like. What, what does that really mean? 
I think the first thing is that get rid of all the uncleanness and all that remains of wickedness and receive the word. Mm. You know, in that, in that first in, um, verse 21. It's like the first condition. It's the first thing that you have to do. It's like you can't, you know, let's say we'll go back to the house thing. You can't renovate a house without first clearing out all the old stuff. Mm. Um, and it's submitting to the sanctification process, allowing the word of God to permeate and reside within you. And, yeah, allowing it to take the place of that, the evil, the wickedness that you've been doing in your life. Hmm. Well, I think it's a great um, point you've made there, Crystal. Like, James begins all that by saying that we need to first get rid of sin and all uncleanness so that we can then receive the word of God mm-hmm. and plan in us. So if we entertain sin, we're not able to accurately hear, accurately receive mm. the word of God. So think about this, like your response to something determines how effective it is. So your response to the word of God determines how effective it is in your life. If we are refusing to let go of sin, we are closing our mind to the word and therefore the saving effects of it aren't applied to our life. And it's not enough to simply hear it, we must do it. It's useless to only hear the word, we have to obey it, we have to apply it. It's kind of like preparing food, but just never eating the food. Yeah. Not yeah. applying these life-saving effects <laughs> of the food yeah. to your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think about over the years um, at Lifehouse, like how many people have had access to all the same teaching yes. that we have had, but have not chosen to apply it to their life so they haven't had the life-saving effects of it. You know, people who've had the teaching on discipleship but have never chosen to be a disciple. Yeah. Or, you know, people who have been taught on the power of negative words that life and death is in the tongue yeah. but don't lay hold of it. So they're stuck mm. in this behaviour of gossip and criticism which tends apart all their relationships. Mm. You know, um, people have teaching on spiritual warfare mm. but don't want to listen and apply that to their life so they are in sin and at the mercy of the enemy yeah. you know it's um very sad yeah. yeah you know we have to apply it to get the life-saving effects of yeah. the yeah. word yeah um i was just going to add that you know to as we're applying it not just the bits that um feel good mm. yeah you know we need to apply the bits that don't always feel good and also the other thing that I was thinking of is you know if you're wondering what it what it means to be just a hearer and not a doer I was thinking about you know what you might call a pew sitter or somebody mm. who just sits in church like so if you're one of those people that goes to church on Sunday you listen to what the um, pastor talks about or you you know go from Sunday to Sunday and nothing has changed, mm. then then you're obviously not applying God's word. Mm. You know, something will change if you're applying God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in verse 25, that thing that we get when we are applying it, we are mm. submitting to the process, is 
you know, that word favor yeah. again. And who doesn't want that? Who doesn't yeah. want God's smile mm. rather than his wrath? Like for someone who for a long time was happy to live with God's wrath, you know, because I was so oblivious to how important it was mm. that I change. I now long for the day when he looks at me and says, well done, mm. you know, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'm, I, me, am allowed to be in his presence. That is, that is the ultimate goal for mm. me. And so all of these things, all of, you know, the whole word of God, not just the bits that I like, not just the bits that someone else has been teaching me, but all of it. I want all of it to shape me and develop me so that when I get to meet him face to face, he doesn't tell me to go away. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, let's just finish off our podcast by just each, just quickly explaining how much the Word of God is important in shaping us and our, our character and our life. Mm. I know for me, I had um, a long, long time ago, it seems like a whole lifetime ago, Barry and I were going through some, um, you know, marital issues. We were newly married and um, we were pregnant very early on and within a year we were having issues and um, a lot of it came down to me searching for something more meaty than what our church was giving us. He was happy to stay in his sinful, you know, comfortable life and I just found it was really empty and I didn't really want to live there anymore and um, it came to a head one day and it was after I'd had uh, a conversation with Carolyn and David, the leaders of our church, and, you know, David reminded me that no matter what happens, no matter what in the physical happens, God will always make sure I'm looked after. Mm-hmm. God will always make a way for, you know, myself and my child to be looked after financially or, you know, even just emotionally, God is always there. And so that gave me the confidence to be able to stand on the word and just go, no, I need to do this for me. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. But I need to do this. I need to stand on God. I need to, you know, I need it. I need God. And I am willing to break this relationship with you. Mm. To do this and you know and he really had to think about it and he he's like well I don't know if I want this I don't know if I can do it and I said well I will I will never just throw away our marriage I will never do that but if you can't do it there's the door and I was able to have that confidence where I had been so reliant upon a man in my life for, you know, five, five or ten years, I was, I was that person who was clingy and needed someone in my life to be able to say, well, there it is, go for your life. It shook him because he thought that I would just cling. But at this point, I had God to cling to. Mm. I didn't need him. And, you know, I, I like him around. But I didn't need need mm. him. I needed God more. 
And from then on, Barry knew my stance. I knew my stance and I've been able to grow from that. And we've strengthened our relationship in yeah. so many ways because of that first stand. I could have chosen to cling to him and go, oh, don't worry about it. Let's just carry on with what we're doing. But I didn't. And mm. I'm, I have never regretted that. Mm. Mm. Not once. Yeah, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, has it really how much I've, you know, my character's grown over the years. You know, I think, oh, I don't feel any different some days. But I just have to look at, you know, years ago, I know I really struggled with fear and I stood on what God's word would say about fear, you know, about not fearing man and, um, and you know, and, and all that I learned, you know, I was able to step out of living a life of fear. And for me now, it's the difference between a good and a bad day and being able to stand before God on judgment day. Yeah. You know, that's the difference for me. I mean, I'm still working on it and I'm hearing and reading more and still yeah. doing, you know, and we are going to continue to be doing that for the rest of this life into the next yeah. of eternity. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can really overstate how important the word has been in shaping my life. Like the fact that I'm on this podcast right now, mm. oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's pretty big yeah. evidence of that. Yeah. Because like I, I remember as a as a girl, as a teenager, I would refuse to say people's names in case I got them wrong. Like I was like, I'm not like some stranger. I mean, like people I know my entire life. Like that's how afraid I was mm, yeah. and like so insecure and afraid of rejection and now I'm here like chattering away with you guys um <laughs> so I can't really um overstate how important the word of God has been in shaping my life um shaping my character and like I still struggle with fear and insecurity and all those things but I have the word of God I'm mm, constantly mm. growing to become like Christ like every year of my life gets better every year of my life I become more like um, so, yeah, it's just has changed my life. Yeah. Mm. Well, guys, I think we are done with this podcast series. Mm -hmm. I encourage anybody out there who's listening right now to get into the word for yourself. The word of God is so powerful and it will change your life for good. Um, allow it to come in and work in you apply it to your life if you want to use the SOAP method it's scripture observation, application and then prayer SOAP John 14 15 in the Amplified says if you really love me you will keep and obey my commandments and with that we will say goodbye and goodnight and if you want to contact us in any way, go to our Lifehouse um, website at www.life-house.net. <laughs>